Hello and welcome to Bonnets at Dawn, the podcast that pits Jane Austen against all three Bronte sisters. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, Team Austen. And I'm your host, Lauren Burke, Team Bronte. So this week on the show, we are going to talk to author and North and South superfan Trudy Brazier. Uh Trudy is the author of A Heart for Milton and In Consequence, a North and South retelling She also has a blog that many of you guys are familiar with. That is More Than Thornton, where she talks all things North and South. But first, first, let's talk about that BBC adaptation, Hannah. Um, On Sunday, we hosted a little watch along, which was awesome. Um, And it was definitely the first time I had seen that adaptation since reading the actual book. So, yeah, Hannah. Any noticeable differences? I mean, yeah. So the first one, and I know we talked about this when we were doing the read along because I was like anxiously uh, expecting the Crystal Palace scene in the Mm -hmm. book, right? Mm -hmm. And the Crystal Palace scene might not mean anything to you because it was cut from the Netflix version, right? So when I watched North and South last time, I was felt like I was having this fever dream because I'd seen it before. Like I'd watched it years, years and years before. I could remember this scene happening at Crystal Palace where um, Mags is, she's living back in London, isn't she? And they go to the great exhibition and she goes with Henry, Henry's brother, Shalto, whatever his name is, Shalto, Edith. And then they bump into, who do they bump into? John Thornton. And it's this like great scene. And then when I rewatched it, it wasn't in it. And then when we when we read the book, it wasn't in that either. So in the read long, it was just like, what is happening? But it's back I, in there. It's back in. I had the same experience too, because I was like, I totally remember this being in there. And because there's a great line that Thornton has. He says something along the lines of like, um, you're here to just like look at the machines, but I'm gonna go back yeah. and live amongst them. The thing that I I really take away from that after doing the read along and also then doing the watch along is I think a lot of people were saying that they missed the dinner party scene, Mm -hmm. which is like a fabulous scene. It's so good where Mr. Thornton comes to London, he's in town and Edith invites him. No, Henry invites him to a dinner party and he's kind of talking politics. He's talking industry and he he comes across really well in it. Right. But he and Margaret are kind of having this great debate and it's the first time she's he she sees him like her people in her setting and he comes across really well and I feel like for the adaptation for the tv adaptation this is kind of them trying to to do that in a slightly different way right so like here he is amongst all of these like exotic plants and creatures that they've brought from around the world and like they're showing everything off and like to a lot of these people in London, he, you know, like you said, like they've come to look at the machines. They've come to look at him. He's a wild northerner. Right. But he just, he's talking a lot of sense. He he looks great. He like, you know, so. Yeah. No, he looks great. It is a good way to like shorthand everything that, that you're saying. Scene. Yeah. But man, I do, I do miss that dinner party scene. It's so but good. The book, but the book still exists. It does. We get it's through. We you get can go weird, back to like, it. You can read Mandela it. Mandela effect, Crystal Palace scene. Does it exist? Does it not exist? Berenstain <laughs> Bears moment, you know. I yeah. will tell you that the Berenstain, Berenstain Bears thing really messed me up. I am not uh, sure what timeline <laughs> I'm living in. 
<laughs> these are like really good conspiracies so go if, if you know if you know what the mandela effect is please like come and talk to me about it because these things blow my mind all the time i mean um, yeah <laughs> that's a different so, podcast that is a different podcast it's like a conspiracy podcast yeah um i am sad that we like don't get really any of hellstone right so Mm -hmm. i think you said that like hellstone is just bathed in an instagram filter so we get these really brief moments uh, at the at the beginning where we're cutting between mags on her way to the north and then back to hellstone and then she comes back on her visit with mr bell and she meets the new vicar but like it's really brief there's absolutely no cats being boiled Uh, yeah i know that would probably upset you (laughs) terrible like a real (laughs) real missed opportunity to boil a cat there right and I think although it's really nice that we go we go and see Mags like stand up for her father's ideals I always feel like the Hellstone story wasn't ever really about her dad right so we know that he leaves but for him it's like like Hellstone's the past and he goes to the north and he's kind of trying to move on with his life but Mrs Mrs Hale is like this is this is where we get to know her like we know that she was unhappy in Helston we know that she didn't want to live there we know that she doesn't want to leave um we see kind of like the life that she's given up and then just also knowing that they sent their child away and then all of like her financial concerns and all of like those those like clever little things she did around the house to make their furniture you know, to make things homely. I just feel like there's so much of Mrs. Hale in Helston that we just don't get in the adaptation and you don't get so much of her relationship. It's so sad in the novel when when her mum dies and like the fall between her mum and Dixon and, and Mags and that kind of three-way relationship. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. It's, um, well, I mean, that's one of the draws for me of North and South is just how Gaskell writes those characters because it's really hard to like vilify a single character right because you just you see it in the discussion um for our watch along and then this mm. was definitely the case in our read along where we all had these very conflicting feelings about each character like oh god mrs hale what a what a witch and then oh wait a minute yeah i'm re i'm reevaluating my position it's, yeah and it's just and yeah and the way that like sort of gaskell sort of reveals that and then using helston as that tool i think is um is something that we're really missing. I mean, we said this a lot, I think, in the discussion. Um, Mrs. Hale is just, I feel like she's sort of a non-character in the adaptation. She's not making a big impression, which is so sad because you have such a great actress in Leslie Manville who could definitely, like, pull that character off. And I just feel like it's one of the missed opportunities for the adaptation. when when mrs hale dies like that is hard reading and you know Mm -hmm. um fred's reaction mr hale's reaction and dixon's reaction and yeah you know and i think that is that's something really lovely about north and south both the adaptation and the book right is that when you when you're watching the adaptation it is a great watch Mm -hmm. and you're watching it and you're like i'm in i love it like this is a good time and then you read the book and you're like oh this is like it's just extra like it's so it's so nice to have something that feels like a solid television experience yeah I know that there's this like book that is so rich and full and detailed and bigger 
than that thing like that's that's amazing and like the adaptation can never take away from that right totally it's a great entry point i it might be the most effective adaptation for me really yeah i'm still on the i'm sorry i'm still on the fence about um you know i can't remember people's names but margaret hale still not sure about her you know what i am a little bit on the fence about her as well I would like to do a reread of North and South. Now, this does come up in our interview later on, but talking about reading North and South again for Margaret's character and mm-hmm. sort of like what that can reveal to you. Um, we do make a comparison uh, between Margaret and sort of in Lucy Snow in that sense. Like I do think Valette is a very different book the second time you read it. I do think North and South could be a very different book for me the second time I read it. Yeah. Not sure. Got to test that theory. (laughs) It might be exactly the same. (laughs) You might hate it the second time. We don't know. Don't know. Got to see. Yeah, no, I think this is a very effective adaptation. It might be my favorite adaptation of a book besides the, what year did that come out? Early 90s Secret Garden with Maggie Smith. Love that one. That's great. I mean, I think both just like capture the feeling of the book, which is the most important Mm -hmm. thing. Like they don't obviously stay true to all of the details, but really hard to do in four hours with North and South. So got to give them credit because there's so many storylines. There's so many things to give weight to. And it's just it's hard. You can't really you can't really do it justice unless you're going to give it like, I don't know, a 10 part series, maybe. Though you say that because so I was watching um uh, I, I watched along with Sam, my mm-hmm. uh, Sam <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, he was saying that uh, what he really liked about it, what he took away from it was just how many storylines there are. Yeah. And he said that like, if, oh, if it had just been about them, like making cow eyes at each other. Maybe it wouldn't have been as interesting, but it was about all these different things. Yeah. And I think one, that's like really cool that all of those things do get picked up on because obviously uh, North and South is such a politically charged book. Mm-hmm. And so to get that across in the four hours and to get that across that someone who hasn't read the book can recognize those themes and be like, that was interesting. That was really cool. I didn't know that. And just like, yeah, he was just asking loads of questions about the time. Like, is this like, was this based on? like real things and so we were talking about like Milton being fictional Manchester and just Mm -hmm. yeah it was really it was really cool that 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 comes across so yeah I think they do a great job that's similar to Pride and Prejudice you know you picked up on that as well oh sure oh good (laughs) gold star (laughs) oh good I'm glad well I will say one thing that people did have a big complaint with and I agree uh this came up in our discussion our watch along discussion quite a few times and hard to keep up with that watch along discussion fyi in facebook it was like 10 comments a minute i was trying to keep them in a thread yeah yeah but it was like no you've just got to like move along with your losses you've just got to go just a new comment for each no replying just a new (laughs) comment for each thought it was just a lot it was a lot going on but um One of the comments that came up a couple times was the introduction of Thornton and um, how we do have him, you know, aggressively beating his way into our... I don't think uh, you can not aggressively beat someone. True. True. 
bloodies the face of a man. He like knocks him to the ground and like hits him around the face like a number of times. Yeah. Blood. There's a lot of fight editing happening there too as well. I wonder if that's almost like he's getting the he's getting the John Thornton version of um what they did to Dan Stevens when they tried to sex up sense and sensibility. Mm. You know, like when he was chopping wood in the rain. Because it was like, oh, he's a bit of a wet blanket, so he's going to chop wood. And I think that in this instance, they were like, we've got to... It's like, obviously, smoking in the factory is a really big deal. And like they're trying to get that across. They're not wrong to want to try and get that across. But I do think it's like a a misreading of John Thornton. Yes. Yeah, it's a misreading of John Thornton. And I think um, he probably would have fired the man. I think he yeah. absolutely, oh, he would, absolutely have, like, would have shouted and fired him. Yeah. I think he would lay hands on him in the sense that he would like throw him throw, out, like physically remove him from the building and maybe even like a cuff around the back of their head. I mm-hmm. don't know. But like to knock him to the floor, like if he's lighting a pipe, the last thing you want to do is be <laughs> swinging your fists, trying to like smash that pipe out of his hand. I feel that's just going to make it worse. Well, let me ask you this. Would it have been better if they had just added like a guitar sting? Oh, what? Like they do for Colonel Brandon in the same adaptation of Sense and Sensibility. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think if we'd had the beating, the guitar sting and the like wet shirt, Mm -hmm. like maybe some guitar on all of those window brooding shots. Oh, wow. Of which there were many. I have to say that my husband actually just kept like he it would happen to come into the room every time every John time. Thornton was looking out of a window and he's like this is just the story of a man looking out a window he's not and even I'm, looking out the window he's looking at the glass and he's thinking that is a fine bit of glazing look <laughs> at that that is money well spent <laughs> and we've just like misunderstood we have the whole the whole thing such um, brooding something else that i felt like they maybe got wrong I'm not pro the introduction of Anne Latimer. I know. You're not a fan of Anne. I just like, so um, for those who didn't watch it, Anne Latimer is a fictional kind of hinted at love interest. She's, I think, the daughter of another master, like another factory owner. Yeah, I think so. She's just come back from uh... finishing school in Europe. Yeah. And she says jackal and she's, you know pretty enough and she just kind of stands there and the idea is that it's kind of introducing this rival for Mr Thornton's affections which is going to make Maggie like realize that she has feelings for him right but I just felt like like super half-baked though that's the problem I just didn't need it and there was no real interaction between Margaret and her there was no real interaction between it's like a gun uh, it's a gun that doesn't go off like, yeah it's just, yeah like, oh there's a woman and it's like well i'm not an idiot i'm sure there are women around <laughs> without parading them all on screen for me yeah no um it's just like halfway done right yeah i um i could have done though with a scene of uh john thornton like dealing with a gaggle of uh of ladies Oh, so, absolutely. Like a whole, like a really go for it. Yeah. Like maybe even at the dinner party, you know, when like they all, like maybe when Margaret arrives, there's, but he's not that like, like as much as like the Mr. Darcy's the empty vessel, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Like John Thornton isn't 
he's not like a dandy, right? No, he's not going to no. stand at the fireplace telling funny stories about manufacturing. No, to you, uh, <laughs> a group of, of of women. He, I think, one of the nice things about John Thornton is that he doesn't like women. He likes Margaret, right? He's not mm-hmm. he's not falling in love to fall in love. Like you can imagine, Henry Tilney is great at entertaining anyone. And he would be at the party telling all sorts of jokes about cotton and how, you know, he was up in the middle of the night trying to get his Irish workers into the factory because it's like a good yarn. Right. But John Thornton wouldn't do that. No, he wouldn't. But I just would like for this uh, Netflix description of Margaret to sort of be applied (laughs) to John Thornton because that would be something I would like to see. So I did bring this up. um, I think I brought it up in Facebook as well as Twitter. Oh, you did. (laughs) (laughs) The Netflix description um, in the U.S., I should specify, because it is different in the U.K., um, for North and South, reads, Margaret Hale lives a charmed life in rural southern England, where she dreams of a perfect wedding as she is mobbed by strapping suitors. Mobbed. She's mobbed by them. There is that scene when she's on the steps. Yeah. And there is that scene where they're throwing rocks at her. (laughs) I mean, really, she is mobbed. Many mobs. So um, we could probably talk about the differences between the book Thornton and the movie Thornton all day long. But um, I do suggest that you go ahead and check out uh, this article that Trudy has written. It's on from Pemberley to Milton.wordpress.com. I've actually posted it in our Facebook group already. But it's like 10 differences between the miniseries and uh, the book that are worth noting. And um, yeah, also check out that thread in Facebook because it is it is entertaining. We will have more live watch alongs happening, but uh, we'll discuss that a little bit later. First, let's go ahead and talk to Trudy about North and South. The story of how I found North and South is pretty funny because... I had a movie date girlfriend and she would come over on Friday and help me join the world of adults, you know, instead of having kids all week, she would come over on Friday, we'd pick a movie and watch it, you know, it'd be like my chance to connect with the outside world, the stay at home mother. Um, and on this one Friday, she brought over a disc and it was cracked. And that was before, it was like nine years ago before, you know, internet movies as much. So the DVD she brought it was cracked. And we're like, oh, we can't watch it. So let's go try Netflix, something online. And we were flipping through, and then we'd happen to watch North and South, just like, oh, this is okay. Looks good. Has good ratings. Okay. Um, and we watched it. Actually, people won't believe this, but we watched half of it the one Friday, and then the other half the next two hours the next Friday. And I did not peek. I did not watch. <laughs> I was about to ask you if you did it all in one sitting, because that would be a no, pretty long night. Yeah. It would. Yeah. So... And I didn't really think I was struck with it. I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. But I did start searching on the internet right away for Richard Armitage. I was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> um, and that, and I really wanted to talk about the movie. And my friend wasn't really accessible because she had just a full-time job. And I knew there must be somebody out there in the internet world that wants to talk about North and South. And I found an internet site called C19. And they have a forum and they had discussions. And they <laughs> fangirled about Richard Armitage on the side and... And that's how I really got going. They had fan fiction there too. Okay. So yeah. And a decent amount of North and South fan fiction. 
Oh, totally. That was the main drag. Okay. Oh, nice. Now, yeah. so then after that, that's when you picked up the book. Yes. Okay. Yes, I didn't pick up the book until like, you know, a couple of weeks later. No, I was like, I want to know all the parts that's not in the movie. Right, exactly. And then right. um, you fell even more in love with Thornton, I'm guessing, because I just the love the way that Thornton is written in the book. I know. I was... But see, I wasn't into classic literature. Mm-hmm. North North and South was my first hit. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, are there other books like this? And I, <laughs> then, I, then I started reading, you know, Austin and Bronte and Dickens and anybody else I could find in the era thinking, whoa, I'm, so actually North and South is my standard because mm-hmm. that's what I started with. So and I haven't found anything that hits me as strongly as Thornton and North and South. How many so, times uh, have you read it, do you reckon? You'll be surprised. I haven't really read it straight through all that many times, maybe okay. three or four. Okay. And, and usually it's because I have a, a moderating, a study, a, a group read. Mm-hmm. Um, but I go back into the book so many times because, you know, I have a blog and, and I'm always talking about different aspects. So and, I'm always going back to search up things. And, and when did you start the blog? I've only had it for about two years. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's something of a new venture because I was so busy writing before. Sure. And yeah. then like what made you – or can I ask too? Like because I really would like to reread North and South. Maybe I'm going to give it like two years, you know, or a year. Yeah. yeah. Just depending on this podcast too because I've got so much assigned reading for this. But, um, <laughs> you know, but – um. Are there new things that you've discovered or are there feelings that have changed towards certain characters on your end? Um, you know, I didn't really understand Margaret very well from just watching the film. I don't think you can quite get Margaret unless you read the book. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a surprise um, to see her aspect or what she's dealing with is what you're kind of missing from the film, I think. Yeah. You get a lot more into that in the book. Um, so I've gotten a lot more appreciative of what Margaret went through. Um, and that's only deepened. I I also see her faults, but I, I really like how strong she is. Um, I've learned a lot more about Hannah looking closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I just, I'm always searching deeper about each of the characters and the themes of that Gaskell brings out always keep coming back afresh or I, I noticed new aspects of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like, when did you make the leap? You were like, okay, I love this book. I want to write about it. I want to write a variation or fan fiction. No, you know, it really just happened organically because I didn't even consider myself a writer at the time. Mm-hmm. I was just consumed with the thought of Margaret and John's horrible romance. That means all that <laughs> suffering. Oh my God. And I thought there was gotta be a way for them to have gotten together sooner. This was just so horrible. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking about that one scene where she leaves London, you know, and she's saying goodbye to him. And I thought, Oh my God. And he's, you know, the look back, look back part right. from the film. And it's so heartrending. And, and I knew that they both liked each other or loved each other at that point, but they both didn't know. And it's just, you know, you want to grab them and shake them and go, you guys love each other. Right. Um, 
But so I just kept thinking about how that could be resolved. And that's, that's how my, my story started. I started thinking of a alternative happening where they would get together sooner. Okay. Gotcha. And it soon became words on a page. Yes. Mm -hmm. So this was your first like journey into writing too. So this like inspired you to like start writing. Yes. And there are a lot of people who did the same thing. Oh, nice. Yes. What, what is it about Gaskell's writing that you think like, I, I really think resonates with you? Oh, with me? Mm-hmm. Um, it's all, it's the social element, you know, uh, the dividing, you're trying to break down the class divisions. It's the strong female character. It's the, the passion that's repressed. And it's the, in the Thornton and Margaret both striving to be good people, but not understanding each other, but finally getting together it there's so much passion in victorian stories i think and in this story especially this story is very passionate he is very i just i don't know i have never been so on board with a with a leading man (laughs) to be honest yeah i think gaskell is unique in that way that's one of the reasons i was searching for other novels because i i was so touched by how deeply she reveals thornton's thoughts yeah but i have i haven't found another classic art author who does that with their romantic hero. Well, I think the thing that I really like about him is that he seems very real to me. Yeah. Um, And like a lot of other romantic heroes seem so idealized or so like, you know, over the top or, you know, larger than life and or or very vague. I mean, that's the thing about I find about Darcy is that I think he's I don't know. Yeah. He, he's he's an empty vessel, as I've called him on the podcast before. But I think Thornton feels very spe- like a very specific man, <laughs> very real man <laughs> with real right. feelings. I think she really does a great job in fleshing him out. We really know him. Yeah. And so we feel his pain. So now you would you read Pride and Prejudice after you read North and South. Exactly. So were you feeling any like North and South echoes when you read Pride and Prejudice? I think it's not fair because mm-hmm. North and South was still ringing in my ears and mm-hmm. in my heart. Uh, the Pride and Fred- Prejudice kind of fell flat for me. <laughs> okay. And I was like, really? Why is everyone so excited about this book? Right. Um, it's just not comparable because I think the fact the Victorian stories are so much more passionate mm-hmm. and I think Austin's a lot more uh, there's so much there's a lot under it but it's, it's always so calmly laid out yeah she's very cultivated right yeah and it's just completely different um tone than north and south yeah I mean north and south there's so much violence going on and all mm-hmm. this very high-pitched fervor of everything happening. Now, um, as I'm sure you know, I'm obsessed with Fanny. <laughs> I don't... That's, that's funny to me. Why? <laughs> what I don't I don't find her very interesting. <laughs> I think um, you know she herself is not a fascinating character. Well, I mean, she doesn't say anything or do anything that really is fascinating. However, I like the idea of this woman that's sort of caught between two worlds and just doesn't really know yeah. her place, like the new money situation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just in that gulf between her and her brother, who is really like almost a father figure instead of a brother. And, 
you know, she's grown up with money, but, you know, they yeah. don't want her to be like, they don't want her to be all the way in the, that world, but they do. You know, it's just it's she's caught in like a really awkward place. And I think it's really interesting. I wish like we would have more of her. Uh-huh. And I would like to know like how she sort of adjusted to marriage and like her place in society and whatnot. But anyway, are there any like minor characters in North and South, you know, that you are obsessed with or that you you write about? Um, I really like Hannah, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Thornton. I mean, she's great. Yeah, because she's so complex. Yeah. You know, you never know. She has all this really hidden part of her and she doesn't let it out. Um, and she's so shy and yet she seems really bold at the same time. It's just really yeah. weird. Yeah. And, it makes and sense, I, though. Like, it makes a lot of sense. She has an exterior Hannah and then she has the interior Hannah. And then she, you can tell she's really passionate because she meant how much she really loves her son. And, and it took a lot of determination for, for her to leave Milton and, and endure the shame of her husband's suicide and and make sure that they pressed on and paid everyone back and all that was because of her. Mm-hmm. So she's a super strong lady. So that and it's fascinating to see how that all affected her. I think it affected her negatively more than she realizes because she's become crusty right. and very opi- and opinionated, you know. Right. And very judge- judgmental of others. Um of course, her son is the standard, the gold mm-hmm. standard of people. Right. And Margaret really riles her when she rejects him. So, um, but I think Hannah would end up being a, a decent mother-in-law. Maybe not your favorite kind, but. Do you really? Do you think that they, now have your books covered that at all? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because my first one handles the whole first year of their marriage. So we see them oh, get nice. to know each other. Yeah. I think she's the kind of person, Hannah, once you get her on your team, that would be really good, right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so so if she gets on Margaret's team, I think Margaret's has a has a help meet in that way. So um, which book is that where it covers the first year of their marriage? A Heart for Milton. Okay. The first one. Yeah. And... Um, I like that, too, because, I mean, I feel like that is the thing. I don't know, like that the ending is hard for me in North and South because it is. It's just like, I mean, it it has gone on for over 500 pages and you kind of are ready for it to end. But then you're really not ready for it to end. (laughs) I know it's just not fair because they've gone through all that anguish and then they give you one, two pages of happy ending and that's it. Bye bye. Right. Yeah. So you have them going back to Milton and presumably Margaret has like invested in Thornton and he's, he's opening up a mill or what's he doing Actually, with that cash? I haven't written a straight sequel. I, I, my, um, my, my thing is to write what ifs, what if mm-hmm. something different happens than what happened in the book and mm-hmm. then go from there. Gotcha. So, yeah, but it, mine is closely related to what happened in the book because Mar- Margaret ends up going to London mm. and then, of course, she has to go marry him in Mill. Well, they get married in Hellstone, actually. Oh, do they? I wanted something romantic like that for them. So, yeah. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then, 
Your second book, what does that cover? Um, that goes back just a little bit earlier, and it makes something happen different at the riot. Oh. That changes everything. Oh, what happens there? <laughs> I'm really curious now. Sorry. I know, spoilers, um, but I'm spoilers, very curious. <laughs> um, instead of Margaret getting hit by the stone, mm -hmm. Thornton gets hit by the stone. Okay. And um, it makes Margaret have to deal with seeing Thornton as a vulnerable person. Mm -hmm. So it softens her attitude um, toward him. She sees him as a person. Because I think the whole part of her problem was that she was categorizing him as a tradesman right. and a master. And she wasn't willing to see him as a human being, an mm -hmm. individual. And, and in this book, seeing him hurt and unconscious for a while completely softens her to him so much so that when he comes to ask her to marry him she accidentally says yes oh oh <laughs> but she's not really ready to say yes but she kind mm -hmm. of does anyway it's almost like an accident it's really i try to write it very realistically mm -hmm. because i'm really interested in staying true to the characters as i see them right so it's almost like an impulse she asks she says yes and then she can't take it back. She said it. And you have the blog, which is amazing. It's great. I had to avoid it while we were doing the read along because I was like, there's going to be spoilers here. Yeah. But now yeah. that everyone has read North and South, like you should go to Trudy's blog. Yeah, it's fun, especially if you've really gotten into the book. It's kind of fun to explore the ideas and the different characters. There's just so much to talk about that I find different aspects and different subjects and We'll think about it and then write a little essay about it and share it. So it's fun. Do you field questions from people? Do people have like, is there like a common question or misconception that people have about North and South? I've run into them, of course, over mm -hmm. time and in, you know, various discussions and then in reviews for my book, people who don't quite understand my perspective on the novel mm -hmm. will not be appreciative of the story because they believe that Margaret and John Thornton are always going to be arguing and they don't ever see eye to eye. And I don't think that's what happens. Yeah. Um, I think once they're on the same page, I feel like they would be great partners. Yeah, I do too. I think they even each other out. You know, Margaret's like the heart and he's the head and they kind of come to a middle place where they have a bit of both. Mm -hmm. And they've both changed. They've both grown and changed towards each other, too. Like, that's exactly. the other thing about North and South. Yes, but there are some people who don't quite seem to perceive that. Interesting. They, they still see Margaret as a hard-headed know-it-all who's going to tell him how to run everything. Okay. I don't know. Okay, gotcha. So there is a little bit of what I would think misinterpretation. Mm-hmm. Well, I think she's a hard character. She is. She's very hard to understand. I struggled um, with her. Yeah. Oh, until yeah, the totally. end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's totally normal. And I said, I think I did too. Because um, you don't understand. I think it's almost on purpose because Gaskell's writing this from her. Right. The book was going to be called Margaret Hale, right? Right. So this is all from her perspective. And I think we're supposed to be as confused as she is mm -hmm. in encountering Thornton. You know, you know, she tries to keep her attention attraction down 
This mm-hmm. is not the kind of person she's supposed to be falling for, right? Right. So I think that there's all these Victorian sensibilities come into play that help hamper her and her understanding what's happening. It's a nice, like, it's almost experimental in that in that sense, from, like coming from a writer, because I think a lot of readers want a character who is going to tell you everything and mm-hmm. be honest with you. And um, that's something I'm kind of like, I'm working on, you know, writing about for Valette, which is coming up very oh soon, my. is that, you know, Lucy Snow is, is a very hard protagonist to get on board oh with because God, she's not on board with you. And, you know, she's I not know. honest with you. And um, Margaret, it's not that Margaret's not honest with you, although I suspected at certain times in North and South that she might not be. <laughs> But I think it was not on purpose. I think it was, yes, just she was like suppressing all of her feelings. Yes. And so it's really hard to get a read on her. Yes. And I think in the latter half of the book, when she she is quite realizes she's in love with him, it's a matter of self-preservation for her to kind of pretend that she doesn't love him or try to at least push it away and mm-hmm. say, I just wish we could be friends. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely not what she's really thinking. She, the friends is never going to make her satisfied. Is there any other um, misreadings you think that are out there of North and South? Um, I think the character of Thornton is sometimes a little misinterpreted, probably because of the BBC adaptation showing him as having a temper in that first scene. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't, you know, there's no beating scene in the book. Right, right. <laughs> and I, I've always argued that Gaskell takes great pains to show how much self-control Thornton has. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever would have hit an employee. I think he might have grabbed someone by the scruff of the neck and thrown them out right. if they were about to cause a fire. But I don't think he would have punched them in the face repeatedly, losing his temper. Right. Um but I think people see Thornton as this very volatile man, and I don't see that except for the fact that he is not in control when it's about Margaret. And we are back. Now, I will say one last thing about my boy John before we move on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I, I've been thinking a lot about why he has become the official boyfriend of Bonnets at Dawn, mm-hmm. and what it is about him specifically not just like oh he's just more of a character than Mr Darcy right like that's too easy I think but when when you like look at North and South the book and when even when you watch the adaptation if you look at the relationships he has with the characters he's got all of these great relationships with Mr Hale he's got these great relationships with with Higgins and like Darcy has his friendship with Bingley but the thing that Thornton has that Darcy doesn't is that in the book and in the story, we get a first-hand account, not only of how he treats a woman he's interested in, but how he treats his sister, how he treats his mother, and how he treats the mother of someone who doesn't love him, right? Yeah. And in all of these relationships, in all, like, he is kind without flattering. Mm-hmm. He's very honest. He um he we still get like the the protector storyline when he comes in and he uh stops the inquiry after Margaret has lied about being there with her brother. Right. And when you know the times that the times that he's angry with her, he's not really angry with her because 
she is poorer than him or anything like that it's always because like he thinks he's caught her in a lie or Mm -hmm. he thinks he's caught her being snobby which he has done most of the time right and then the times that are really hard to read it's like with the handshake she just doesn't know and so you've got all of these times which were unintentional mixed in with all of these bits where you're kind of like I am on John Thornton's side with this whereas Mm -hmm. for most of Pride and Prejudice you're on Elizabeth's side right Right. and she's at odds with Mr Darcy and then you come to love him but John Thornton from the very beginning you're kind of like oh okay yeah I kind of I see where you're coming from and it's just like a great brother great son you know he's going to be a good uh a good husband unfortunately he's not going to be a good son-in-law because Margaret loses both of her parents before the end of the book but while they're alive and before he's their son-in-law he's you know he's coming over with fruit he's suggesting water beds he's fetching doctors he is one of Mr Hale's like most loyal customers just yeah I just think like it's these relationships that really kind of build him up I think that's a great point. point no I like it I'm into that I think you're definitely right. Um, uh, one thing we are missing in this miniseries is uh, that relationship too with him and Mr. Hale. Like, yeah, doesn't come that? across as much that they they were such bros. Yeah, really love those two guys. But you're right. I think that it's because he's always approaching situations and the other characters with honesty, mm-hmm. and um, even when he does sort of make an assumption that turns out not to be entirely correct. Like you can understand where he's coming from. You can understand where he's coming from when Margaret openly lies to the murder police. And he's yeah, like, what the hell is that like, about? Oh, there's someone here. And she's like, no. And then it's like, ha ha ha, a man's voice laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing that was actually cut out of that interview um, was a discussion that I had with Trudy about wives and daughters, because Everyone that sort of listens to any of our Gaskell coverage or encounters us at Gaskell House is like, you guys have not read Wives and Daughters. Wives and Daughters. Wives and Daughters. It's a masterpiece. What are you doing? Can you tell me the time? They're like, have you read Wives and Daughters yet? Because if you (laughs) haven't, carry on walking. (laughs) So guys, guys. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) I think we have said this sort of um, unofficially on the internets, but officially we are going to do a read along of Wives and Daughters. Um, That will begin when we start our winter break. Uh, We're going to model it much like our tenant read along. So um, there will not be a weekly episode for Wives and Daughters because it is also a very large break and we will be reading it during sort of, you know, the holidays and traveling and all that good stuff. But um, we will definitely have more than one episode dedicated to it and there will be threads and there will be lots of comments and lots of interaction on our Facebook group, I am sure. Or I hope so. Please join us. Yeah, imagine that's that's the time everyone leaves the Facebook room. They're like, it's just no. tumbleweeds. Just no. tumbleweeds. We're doing it. And it's also really good timing because, of course, in December, we have our event at Gaskell's house. This is where I will insert the cheering noise. Are you actually going to? Maybe. Do you have that? You don't like have that. Whistles and claps and cheers. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> 
we are going back. I'm very excited. I can't wait to go back to Manchester. I'm really excited to go back to Manchester. I'm also really excited. Uh, we're doing a pub quiz and mm-hmm. like trying to explain now. So I think there's probably going to be a big split between people who go, oh, a pub quiz. I know exactly what this is and what this entails. <laughs> I know that there will be a picture round. I know there will be a music round. I know that we'll be in teams of approximately five people. It's going to be really good. And then the other half who are like, I know what a pub is and I know what a quiz is, <laughs> but like what is specific about this? I'm feeling so, very targeted right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I keep being like, and obviously each round will have 10 questions. And Lauren's like, is that obvious? <laughs> Guys, I don't know how a pub quiz works. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. If you are local to Manchester, if you're not local to Manchester and can get there, then please come along because I'm having a lot of fun, like planning the the music round and which questions are going to be bonus points and Lauren's like Hannah that's too hard which is what happened last time we did a quiz (laughs) (laughs) bring your Victorian lit PhDs guys but also you um avid period drama watchers um you'll be you'll be in luck as well there's a little something for everyone there really is um yeah, it's very involved. I have really given the reins to Hannah on this one because I have no idea what's going on. So um, yeah, please come and watch Pub Quiz Master Hannah and I will just sort of stand back going, what's I will there? only answer to the name The Quizzed during, during the quiz. Good to know, good to know. Lauren, tell us uh, dates and times. <laughs> Because I forgot. I forgot it. (laughs) Well, that would be Sunday, December 9th at Gaskell House. I'm just trying to remember the time. I believe it starts at 1 or 1.30. You should just come. I think it's 1.30 until 2.30. 3.30. No. It's 1.30 until 3.30. Is it? There we go. I think so. It's definitely two hours. Yeah, I think it's 1.30 until... Your best bet is to come a little bit beforehand and look at the house and then come to the quiz. Am I right? Make a day True of it. Story. You're welcome. <laughs> Make a day of it. We will give you a personalized tour of the house, complete with oh, we um, do with that. Uh, definite historical facts. I've got facts, but they're like they're in a brown trench coat, and I just <laughs> I'm like you want to see you want to see some facts. Here you go. Here's the room that we thought was haunted because uh, we accidentally uh, I left, left the box. on. <laughs> oh no I know Um, yeah we'll give you a personalized tour if you would like to come on Sunday and um, on Saturday we are going to go to the Manchester Art Gallery to uh, check out the Annie Swinnerton event Annie Swinnerton is really cool she was the first female artist to be put into the Royal Academy of Arts true story there you go She, she didn't write a book guys but she was a very talented artist and she painted a portrait of Elizabeth Gaskell's husband, William Gaskell. True story. Um, so, yeah, we will be there. And um, I think during this time we will be offline. So no new episodes will be posted. But what you could do, what you could do is you could join our Facebook group and uh, join in on some Facebook lives with us. And some Instagrams. Yes, some Instagrams lives. <laughs> I don't know how Instagram works either. 
<laughs> just the video portion. The picture portion, I got gifts. pretty, pretty, pretty nailed down. Yeah, I feel good about that. <laughs> but I got gifts. I got gifts, guys. Got them. <laughs> so now, Hannah, if people want to check out these upcoming live events on the social medias, where should they go? You can find us, as always, on Instagram and Twitter at bonnets at dawn. You can email us bonnets at dawn at gmail.com and you can join our ever-growing Facebook group by searching bonnets at dawn, answering both questions. They're very easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, just join in the group, bonnets at dawn. There you are. There you yeah. have it. Good. And also, good listeners, if you're listening to this right now, and you have yet to review Bonnets at Dawn, stop what you're doing. Whoa. If your employer owes you one thing today, mm-hmm. review us on the company dime. Oh, strong We words. haven't had any UK or Europe-based reviews since 2017. Whoa, really? Yeah, I checked today. They've not been updated. And what I did get was some really lovely feedback from my coworker Tom, and he told me that his mum listened to the show and that she quite liked it, but she did say that I swear a lot. So um, to Tom's mum, I'm mm-hmm. very sorry. I've always said to Lauren that we should bring back the bleeps. I'll try and swear less for you. All right. Okay. But promises, other promises. people, if I don't know you, you've got to leave a review. Otherwise, I can't <laughs> adjust my behavior. So review us. Review us, please. Review us. Sounds good. And um, guys, there will be more watch-alongs. It's going to be a while. I'm going to just warn you. I've already gotten a few requests. So I'm just going to say it's going to be a minute because we got stuff to do. Um, We will pick something that is sort of appropriate to uh, whatever we're reading at the moment and whoever we're discussing and whatever is accessible. That's that's the other problem there. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us. And we will be back to talk at you next week. Bye.